Welcome to episode 32 of Constructing Comics, a comic podcast building comic stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we are going to review the new movie, Avengers Endgame. This is your spoiler for Endgame. If you haven't seen the movie, please pause the podcast and come back after you've seen the movie. This is Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Noah. Hey there. So, Noah, why don't you um, lead us off with your initial thoughts? Uh, I'll give some initial thoughts, and then we'll do, we'll do a deep dive into, into this movie. I think it was the equivalent, the superhero equivalent of something like Return of the King. I, I definitely felt that vibe and I felt about the same emotions as I did when I first saw Return of the King mm-hmm. in its entirety. So I think on, on an epic superhero level that we've never seen, I thought it was really great. And I think it would, I would say that probably the direct comparison to another franchise would be the first original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Except this mo- this series, it took 21 films to get to this point and Lord of the Rings only took three. But that's a big, I think it's still a pretty good big compliment considering like Lord of the Rings is literature and like the movies are like instant classics Mm -hmm. and these are like supposed to be blockbuster films Um, that these movies like at all resonate on that level is pretty great. And even if it took 20 films, it's kind of worth it at this point to have this big of ending to a lot of characters and maybe this next chapter introduction to a lot of characters um, is pretty great, but I, I would compare it to something like uh, Return of the King on that level. Um, good in different ways, of course, but like it gave me a lot of the same emotions. What about you? Yeah, I would agree. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I think this is probably a pretty obvious comparison, but I think maybe uh, it was uh, it was the Return of the Jedi, um, where um, uh, Infinity War was your uh, was your, was your empire. It was yeah. it was your sad movie where everybody everybody lost and this was the redemption. This was the final act where everybody came together. So but I can without see Ewoks though. Yeah, so, yeah, without yeah. Ewoks. So Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So um let's talk a little bit about maybe the the three acts as we see it. Um mm-hmm. uh so obviously we, we start off in the movie um with, with Hawkeye on his on on his sort of farm home uh with his family and they they fade away so that's how we start the movie um would you agree that uh when when thor um chops off uh thanos's head is that the is that where you would see the end of act one yeah i think that'd be the inciting incident that sets off the whole plot yeah um yeah i would say that i would say there are two points of urgency in the first in the movie and that's the first point. That's the end of the first point of urgency that only lasts like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you don't get another point of urgency until like an hour and a half, almost two hours in. Yes. Um, and I would say, so probably the majority of the first half of the second act is all character driven stuff. Just putting these characters in a place where by the end you'll feel like they have complete arcs and sort of slowing down maybe like getting rid of all the stakes just focusing on characters it's basically like a woody allen drama with superheroes Mm -hmm. um in the second part but in the first part it's almost like the epilogue of infinity war um yeah okay and so where do you see act two ending um i mean i know that we've discussed this and there's a lot of sort of character study and character development and slowing down of the story in act two but where do you think that act two ends when thanos arrives um in the future 
in the current timeline. Yeah. He comes from the, the past reality into the future re- current reality. Mm-hmm. And he bombs the Avengers, uh, Avengers base. Kicking I would say off. that's the second the end of the second act. Yeah. That's the lowest point everybody's at by that point. Like they rode the high lowest point, meaning they lost Black Widow, you know, but they gained everything back. But then at the same time, they brought Thanos into this reality where he could snap his fingers again. Yeah. And then act three being the, the epic battle and conclusion. So, um, so we talked about this a little bit, um, but uh, this movie deals heavily with time travel. Yeah. Um, So how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you see the physics of time travel, how time travel was used in this movie? um, And did you like it? I thought it was brilliant until the, the captain America resolution, which we'll get to that when we talk about captain America. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the, the idea that Bruce explains and then the ancient one re-explains to him mm-hmm. is that Bruce explains we can't go to the past from the future because then the future becomes our past and the past becomes our present, which doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we go to a reality that was our past and in turn every action that we make in that reality we create alternate timelines yeah which is the logic behind the time travel in jj abrams star trek movie which came out 10 years ago as well where it's not spock coming to the past isn't his past it's an alternate reality that he changed when he came into the past Mm -hmm. Um, i like that idea and i was actually hoping they would go that route and i think they explained it really well and then the ancient one reinforcing it with the stones, making that a part of it where it's like you have to bring the stones back because they are integral, integral to keeping the reality in check, you know, and, and away from like, you know, causing what Thanos did, but naturally, you know, um, by upsetting the established order of time and space in that order. So I like that. I like that was sort of maybe the first time where they added some stakes when they went back in time up until that point, there wasn't much, like I said, a lot of it was more character driven. So I like that time travel. I like the use of the quantum realm. I like that. You know, I, I mean, at, at, you know, they, everybody says like, Oh, it's grounded. You know, the Marvel films take place in the real world, but this movie just like throws out anything like that whatsoever, you know, and it's, it's thrown it out probably since the first Avengers. And I like that. Like, of course, Tony Stark figures out how time travel works, mm-hmm. you know, I like that a lot that he's the, he's the genius. He's the one who's going to save us all because he is the genius. Yeah. Uh, I love that part of it. But what do you think of the time travel? Uh, I enjoyed it. And it was a way, um, since this movie was a, uh, a celebration of the mm-hmm. 21 movies that came before us, it, uh, it was also in the movie. It was a celebration where we were able to, to go back and do, oh, yeah. we would go back and see those key moments, the battle of New York, um, uh we got to the go dark back. world scene yeah yeah we got to go back uh and actually this movie made the dark world more Better. important yes. well, more, yeah more important than than it was kind yes. of it was sort of a, a throwaway but now it's now it's a little bit more important yeah um, it but, also but it also took us back to guardians which was great yeah. um uh, it also brought stuff from winter soldier which was awesome as well because in winter soldier introduced like whole other levels to shield and it made Winter Soldier better by being like, oh, all those elements were around during Avengers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think with Returning to the Dark World, I recently rewatched that and it had been like 
six years since I'd seen it. And um, I think that's probably the weakest Marvel film ever. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's like, and I, I was just like, oh, the script is awful. Like, I mean, like it looks nice, um, but like everything is just so dull in that movie. So yeah, you're right. It did make it better somehow where I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But uh, before we go too much further and, uh, you know, we're talking about time travel, we're talking about the quantum realm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little, it's a little crazy that all of this hinges on the rat going into Scott Lang's van and touching the, t- touching the right buttons yeah. to pull him out. That rat doesn't, that rat doesn't touch any of those buttons, you know, Tony, <laughs> Tony's time travel, all the print particles, none of that stuff matters. It's the, nothing that rat might be the, uh, the real hero of the, uh, or the, the hero that got us all started. So, and I think I've told you my, my theory after Captain Marvel, my conclusion to that film was, is that everything that happens uh, from Iron Man on is Captain Marvel's fault because she left the Tesseract on Earth. Okay. Uh, with Nick Fury. So I think everything that happens, including Infinity War, is Captain Marvel's fault, but everyone, everything is undone by that rat. So the real hero of the Marvel Universe is... Uh, is um is the rat and the real villain is Captain Marvel. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, okay. So is, so they, they do go back. Uh, and it does, if, if they go, the first place they go back is, uh, Avengers one, uh, the battle of New York, um, uh, where, you know, we get the, the core group of Avengers fighting mm-hmm. off the, uh, were they the Centauri, the, um, uh, Chitari. Chitari. Yeah. Yeah. So uh we sort of get like a little bit of like um uh behind the scenes uh mm-hmm. stuff almost that we didn't see in in event in the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Um where uh Cap and uh Tony are sort of operating around the perimeter, uh watching the events unfold unfold. Um uh, which was pretty cool. Um, but I'm gonna let you chime in on your thoughts about this part of the movie where, where those two have traveled back. Actually, sorry, Bruce is, Bruce is there, but Bruce has gone to Bleecker street to get the, uh, the stone that strange has, which, and he, he encounters the ancient one, but why don't you tell me about the, about your thoughts about, the uh, Avengers tower, uh, and what we see there. That was a lot of fun. Ant-Man's there as well, which is great because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't even a thought at that point. True. I part of it. So it was great to have him in there. I love, I like, you know, I thought, I've always thought Cap's costume from the first Avengers is underrated, you know? Mm-hmm. People really thought it was silly back then, but I think now revisiting it, like with DC doing what they're doing with their costumes where like Aquaman gets his original gold and green suit and shazam gets his full colored suit and stuff like that to return to cap's costume from that movie where it's like the closest thing to the actual comic book where it's like the the skin tight that kind of thing like captain america costume and um so i I was happy they brought that back and maybe we're like acknowledging it and not like making fun of it too much they make the comment about um (laughs) the thing not doing much for his ass and i think and i love ant-man's being like that's America's ass. And then <laughs> Captain America saying it too is like, that is America's ass and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that costume was awesome. 
Um, I, I, I really do like, I think it's always been one of the underrated ones because it was a cool design. Um, I'm happy, like, I, I like other ones more, but I'm, I'm always happy. I've, I've never really had a problem with Cap's costumes. So, and I also like, uh, yeah, I love all the behind the scenes stuff. I love that you we got some more crossbones um, in there, you know, just because uh, he's always been the one of the, the coolest characters to me in the comics and one of the coolest Cap villains. So just that he gets to be in there just one more time, I'm very happy about that because I thought um, Frank Grillo's casting as Crossbones was perfect. Um, I'm glad that they brought uh, Robert Redford back just one more time as well to show that he was there the whole time. Um, always more Loki is great as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, uh, Hulk having to take the stairs being the big problem. You know, at first you think it's a throwaway joke, but it's actually the thing that like throws everything out of out of balance and makes Loki get away. It's because mm-hmm. Iron Man forgot that the, that he made Hulk take the stairs. So again, it's something that it was his fault that I, that he got in his own way and stuff like that. So I like that. I liked, uh, yeah, yeah. I love that scene. I loved um, also another one. I'll, and I'll let you take it away. I love how um, when they go to the Angsha one, which is another character I'm glad they brought back to give Childa Swinton more character, um, more screen time. Um, I've always, I loved her character in Dr. Strange and I loved her in this movie that she's destroying Chitauri as it's flying by Bleecker street as well. And um, yeah, I loved that. And I loved uh, her uh, interaction with um, Bruce Banner. Like infinity war, this movie did a great job of putting characters together that you didn't know you wanted to see together. True. And I think that was something I think uh, that the Russo brothers and, um, uh, well, Stephen Marcus and I can't remember his first name, Feely, the screenwriters, they did a great job of having these great interactions between the Marvel characters that you didn't know you wanted. Yeah. Um, and that was one where I was like, I really like this interaction between these two characters where, you know, one is wise of the ways of reality and magic. And then the other one is countering that with his eye, with his knowledge of how the science behind everything works. And, um, yeah, making making the exposition of like alternate realities entertaining and understandable is also awesome. Yeah. In that sequence where they have that conversation. So yeah, that's my thoughts on that. I'll probably think of more later. But I I love that whole sequence because I love the first Avengers. It's it's got I've got such good memories of going to see that movie. Um so many good memories of of sequences and that scene, that especially in that last battle scene. And um yeah, it was great. It was great to revisit that sequence. Yeah, I think uh, I think one cool thing here was the the uh, the elevator scene, uh, yes. where we have we have Cap leaving um, uh, in the elevator. He's got the uh, he's got the spear that uh, Loki had, um, and you sort of you get, you get that same shot uh, that sort of overhead shot um, where. Um, but that was in Winter Soldier where he fights everybody in the elevator. Oh yeah. You get that same shot and you're like, Oh, he's going to, he's going to beat all these guys up in the elevator and get right. away. But the way he gets away is he knows through what happened in uh, Winter Soldier, he knows all these guys are Hydra agents. So he leans in, does he lean in the crossbones and say hail Hydra? Or no, he leans into the director. No, it's sit well. You know, it's it's um it's Agent Sitwell who was one of the the agents that they interrogated in Winter Soldier to get all the Hydra plans. Yeah. So um, he he says yeah. he says he says Hell Hydra. Yep. Um, which is 
for anybody who is a uh, anybody that's a comic fan that's not just a comic fan and and the movie fan, there was the whole uh, controversy uh, probably maybe like a year and a half ago where Nick Spencer had had yeah. Cap say Hail Hydra at the end of issue one of his run and everybody was all upset that Cap said Hail Hydra, but here he does it to um, to you know get away with with a key item that they need. So I I, I really like that. Um, yeah, and, I, and another shot they repeat from Winter Soldier is is the reveal um, on the bridge in that one sequence where, where uh, Cap is fighting himself, mm-hmm. and um, that's repeated from when uh, Bucky and Cap confront each other in Winter Soldier as well. And it's I, I just realized that right now when you brought up repeated shots from Winter Soldier, but that's even more thematic. Because Winter Soldier is all about who he trusts, you know, mm-hmm. from his past and his present, you know, and it sort of rocks him to his core character. And in this movie, his arc is realizing where he belongs, you know, and like looking back at his past and literally fighting his past self, you know. And I think that's a cool narrative tool to be like he actually like physically fights with himself and like... uh in order to like, you know, make the decision that he ends up making by the end of the movie, you know? So I, I think I'll probably like the metatextual stuff in this movie is, is pretty deep. I think we could do a whole podcast on it. Yeah. But I think that scene where he's fighting himself is very meta. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, um, what would you like to tackle next? Uh, uh, Clint and Natasha or, um, uh, Rhodey and uh, Nebula. Um, they're they're. Uh, uh, let's, let's actually let's talk about uh, Thor and um, Rocket. Okay. Um, I think. Uh, what What did you think of um of Thor uh being the 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 fat uh alcoholic um in in this movie? It's uh, it was it was good comic relief, but it also made sense. Uh, yeah, it does. Thor being the uh, the you know the sort of uh, one of the most powerful people in the in the Marvel universe, him having probably to have to deal with the fact that uh, you know he had Thanos and he didn't go for the head in Infinity War. So a lot of this he probably f- reflects back and sees it as his fault. Um, so for him to be in some sort of, you know, state of, of despair makes sense. And they did that with adding the, the comedic ad, uh, you know, of him being the overweight, uh, you know, guy just wallowing away in his, his own home playing video games with, uh, Korg. <laughs> so, no, I, I like that. Um, um, I like how, um, this movie emphasizes he has a complete and total real reason to be that way. Like you said, also because of, you know, besides Captain America being thrown into the future, but even he still has like, you know, Bucky and other people like, you know, the Avengers and stuff like that. Thor and Black Widow are like the two characters that um, are like only have the Avengers. You know? Yeah. And uh, Thor has lost everything from previous movies, you know. Mm-hmm. everything that he has now is just leftovers from people he met 
in, in Ragnarok and Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know where Lady Sif is, of course, uh, but like, you know, he's both his parents are dead, his kingdom is gone, his, Thor, his hammer is gone, Loki's gone, Heimdall's gone, uh, the Warriors three are gone, um, you know, Jane is gone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, she's not dead, but she's, she's gone from his life, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, so basically everything that he at once had at the start of this franchise of Marvel films is completely gone. Mm-hmm. And, um, then Thanos, what, 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 let, what little he had left Thanos took away from him. So, um, it, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's a pretty spectacular arc for him. And I love, um, the sequence where they go back in time to get the ether and he's having the panic attack. And uh, it's interesting. I saw a guy on um, Instagram a couple of weeks ago. He was doing some stuff from uh, uh, Avengers. um, Oh, what was the most recent like Jerry Dugan run of Avengers called? Uh, Can't remember. Um, But rocket was in that. And Rocket has a similar scene in that series, and uh, he uh, he snaps Hulk out of doing something stupid, okay. out of emotion. And it was really cool to see that here. That like Rocket, who's always been this little monster, is sort of the emotionally stable one out of all of them because he knows what he's fighting for, mm-hmm. you know. And he slaps Thor out of it and not enough of course he takes Thor's mom to snap him out of it but I really love that character moment of Rocket being like get it together you know I need like I don't care what happened to you I need to you to get my family back you know mm-hmm. you know and you need to help everybody else get their families back you know and um I really like that moment I think of of the the character moments that are my favorite that's definitely up there yeah all right, so let's uh, let's touch a little bit on Rhodey and uh, Nebula. Um, really the, sweet I, subplot. Yeah, yeah. So they were uh, they were dropped off by uh, Clint and Natasha, um, who are going to continue on their mm-hmm. way. But um, this is how Thanos uh, realizes that their his present is being impacted by the travel back to the future because she has the sort of uh uh the two nebulas being in the same area there's their networks sort of like uh co-mingle and a a message goes out thanos pretty uh conveniently is able to deduce what's going on very quickly um but uh we can't uh we can't fault that because you know it would have been a eight hour movie of uh, Thanos had to sit there and think about it, uh, what was going on. But uh, that's how, that's how Thanos yeah. realizes that, that something's going on with the time stream. Um, but I'm gonna let you chime in here on, on the roadie nebula um, and Thanos discovery. Yeah, again, another one of those like like so like Hulk and the Ancient One, Rhodey and Nebula team up that you didn't know you wanted to see, but you got and you loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, Rhodey doesn't have, you know, he's there. He's sort of one of the anchors of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have much of an arc. He's pretty consistent across the board, and it's pretty great though. His character is so strong, so it's great just to see his interactions. Mm-hmm. He's sort of one of the more fully realized characters of all the Marvel films, you know. 
And, you know, having just watched Civil War, he kind of makes that clear at the end of that movie that he's like, he's 100% sure of every choice that he makes, you know? So to have him paired with a character that, um, that has, uh, is at a crossroads in life, you know, that has been raised to believe one thing her whole life, you know, and abused and just recently found a smidge of redemption at the end of guardians volume two. Um, you know, to have her paired with him, who is an empathetic man by, you know, he's one of the most empathetic characters and he's a great leader um, to be sympathetic to her in her plight and to understand where she's coming from um, shows what, you know, that he's a good soldier, of course. And um, also that he's uh, he's a good leader, but he's also sort of the security that she needs in that moment. You know, someone who's more of a father figure to her at that time to be like, you know what? Um, you know, I, I had, you know, I didn't, I wasn't abused by my dad, of course, like, like Rody's not saying that, you know, he's like, you know, but he has that, you know, he has the disability with his legs not being able to work. So he has the cybernetic uh, prosthetics on to help him. And like Nebula's like 95 prosthetics, you know, and she thinks that she's a monster because of it. And he sort of calms her down and he's like, no, you're not a monster. You know, you're, you're just a, a broken person who has to, has a harder time of building themselves up and all that. And um, yeah, I really like that pairing again. And I love how it's a, it's a core, her arc throughout this movie is that she's finding father figures in different characters. So at the beginning, she finds a father figure in Stark when they're stranded on, on the, on, um, on Quill's ship at the beginning. And he's sort of fatherly to her and he's like playing games with her and she sort of cares for him. Um, and uh, it's a really sweet relationship at the beginning. The first time I teared up actually was when she picked up Tony and put him in the chair and covered him in a blanket. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really sweet. And then, uh, and then also Rhodey being another father figure to her as well in that moment where he, he comes alongside and, um, comforts her and it gives her the strength in the end to confront her old self into being like, you know, not every, you know, older man, you know, is evil like Thanos, you know? Um, so finding that security, but also finding that power in herself and in Gamora to, you know, confront her old self by the end of the movie is pretty great. Um, so I think probably my favorite arc in this movie is Nebula. Um, I really think they did a good job of writing a good end to her arc from the previous Guardians films and making her a, a bigger, more important part than you, that I definitely did not see coming when Infinity War was going to happen. But I would say that she's one of the key players in this movie. Yeah, and so uh, once they get, Rhodey and Nebula get their stone, they are, they are to travel back. She, uh, she has a malfunction, doesn't... Uh, doesn't travel back, which allows the nebula from Thanos's timeline to come back. And we'll discuss that later, but uh, we still have Natasha and Clint going to get the soul stone, um, which is a uh, key moment um, in the movie. Um, They have to, they have to sacrifice one of one of themselves. Um, They have a back and forth. Um, uh, you know, they, they 
try to keep each other from going off the uh the the ledge um it looks like hawkeye's gonna go uh then widow uh stops him with uh with a with a cord they hang for a while and then ultimately um natasha falls um and and dies um as a sacrifice so that they can have the soul stone um what do you think about that choice um uh you know natasha being the one to 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 die as opposed to to hawkeye in the having recently watched through all the movies where she plays a key part in the movies it makes sense within the context uh because her whole arc from the first avengers till now has been trying to you know like she says in the first event in the first avengers is wash the blood out of her ledger you know her red ledger you know and um you know, she makes that clear that she just wants to do something that saves everybody. And, you know, she has the confidence to, to do it, um, much like Vision does in Infinity War, where, you know, mm-hmm. he has confidence that with his sacrifice, they're going to win, you know. And um, the uh, and so it's, 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 a, it's a good end to her character and it's a really tragic end because um, I was recently rewatching age of Ultron and she's the first one to bring up at the end of that movie that they're not going to, that she's happy if they don't make it out, that she's happy she can die protecting and saving the world and stuff like that. And that's sort of a, it's a sad and tragic arc for a character that's sort of flawed. You'd would, you'd hope that maybe she would find something better and she does in this uh, at the beginning of this film before she has to give her life, but it's sort of an inevitable end to her character that she gives her life uh, for everyone else. And it's fitting that's her and Clint at the end, you know, because um, from the first Avengers, we know that they have the strongest bond throughout the yeah. movies. And um, I think uh, having someone also like Jeremy Renner, who's such a good emotional actor to be there as well, really hit, hits home. Uh, with her death, uh, I didn't. I didn't really sob in this movie, <laughs> except I think I, I I got really teary when she died. And this is something weird because I never thought I cared that much about Black Widow until this movie. And um, this this one did make me care. But what what did you think of her end? Um. Well, so part of me is uh, it makes sense that it's her because Hawkeye has the family that he hopefully can return to right her her family was the avengers so her um her her making that sacrifice is in line with her her desire to to be with her her family which is the avengers but she's not going because she she dies so i think that makes sense now part of me is wondering if it was a different pairing um because it's so male dominated if they could have kept her around to have another, to have another female. Um, but, mm-hmm. um, the female representation, um, is, 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 is better in this movie. And we also, which we'll probably talk about at the three in act three, we do see some of, uh, we do see some of the ladies, um, getting together. Um, now, yeah. I think we also, we, we have to revisit this when we, uh, when we talk about Cap's ending, uh, 
So. Yeah, well, I was going to bring up another problem that I have with just this plot point in general. Okay. Um, it's It actually goes back to Infinity War, and I was talking with you about this off mic, but um, I is this from the comics, like having to trade a life for the Soul Stone and stuff? Not not that I remember. Okay, so then I hate it even more. So, okay. like, I, I think this is the worst addition to the MCU that's not from anything previous. Uh, because I think while this movie does a better does better justice by the Guardians than Infinity War does, still both Infinity War and Endgame don't seem to like the current the core Avengers. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Guardians group. Mm-hmm. Um, most, you know, explicitly displayed by how they treat Gamora in Infinity War. Mm -hmm. And um, that her death in the end, and especially by the end of this movie, amounts to nothing but letting Thanos win, which is awful for the character. Mm -hmm. That Gamora, who has also been on a search for redemption, not unlike Black Widow, you know, very similar in, you know, that same sense where she has nothing but a history of abuse and violence in her life. And she finally gets a a sense of redemption. And even by Guardians Volume 2, she doesn't really have a complete arc. And that's that sort of, uh, that's a lot of it is that they have complete arcs in the film, but as far as a character, she's still not there yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, that, that the writers or the creators or whoever, uh, reduced her role in infinity war that they tricked you at first to think that she was going to be an emotional part. You know, she's going to have an arc, but then they tricked you and then reduced her to nothing but just a means to an end for Thanos. And then it also, you know, it's not my original idea, but equating his abuse of her, his killing her family in front of her eyes and then abusing his, her sister in front of her eyes while growing up and making it seem like it's her fault because she beat, she, you know, she defeated Nebula. Um, they equate that with him loving her. And that's how he gets the soul stone in the beginning, which is just awful writing. And, um, the, uh, and then she dies. And by, and by the end of this movie, she, she comes back as a, as an alternate reality Gamora, but the, the, the current reality Gamora, the one that had, has had the arc from guardians one, through Guardians Volume 2 and Infinity War, she's dead, you know? And reduced to a plot point and with no one to mourn. So she's she's a means to an end for Thanos to win twice in Infinity War because she's a means to an end to get the Soul Stone. But then when the when the Guardians, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange have Thanos on Titan and Quill finds out that Gamora was killed, it's his outburst that causes Thanos to escape and for everything to go to crap mm-hmm. and then for Thanos to succeed. So her death doesn't only serve to the, for the evil man to win in the end, but it, once, but twice. And that's what her character is reduced to. And I can't, I'm, I'm really upset by that in the first movie, equally upset that they didn't undo that like they did for so many other characters. And then, you know, they took the time to mourn for Black Widow but there's no time to mourn for Gamora in either Infinity War, a little bit here with Nebula's character, but still not for the rest of the Guardians to mourn for her, like Quill or Groot or Rocket. Uh, a little bit with Rocket, I guess, in this film, but like, or Drax. 
you know, they, they kind of make it seem like uh, that's sort of the next plot point for Guardians Volume 3, but, but this ends up the next level is, is that I read an article today that the uh, Russo brothers did not consult James Gunn about any of the any of the decisions they made with the Guardians characters in Infinity War and in Endgame. And this is a guy who, you know, th- these characters are based off of comic creators, but James Gunn is, is the guy responsible for creating the definitive arcs for these characters. Once the first Guardians movie came out, every Guardians comic that came before it didn't matter because he made those characters what they were at that point. Like, you know, uh, Jim Starlin created a lot of them. Jack Kirby created a lot of them, but it didn't matter. James Gunn is the one who gave them character. And um, no one else besides maybe Jon Favreau can say that within the MCU, that they took a characters from comics that maybe weren't in, that were definitely not in the, you know, the cultural mindset at all when it came out and turn them into like household names and that they didn't. And I know James Gunn was going through a lot of, you know, you know, controversy with Disney at the time, but this was before that when they were writing the script for these movies. Mm-hmm. So they could have easily consulted him and been like, okay, where do you want to take these characters? Because if there's one singular vision behind one franchise in this series, it's yours. That's still going on. You know, John Favreau's is gone. Um, but James Gunn's still there and he's coming back for the third. He's definitely going to do that. But now I can't help but worry that like they took away his Guardians Volume 3 script by some of the character choices they made with Gamora. Um, they, like I said, they did a great job with Nebula and Rocket in these two films. But, you know, uh, reducing Peter Quill to, a, you know, just a guy who gets angry and isn't able to do what he's supposed to do in Infinity War and... Drax is just a comedic relief. Mantis is just a comedic relief. Um, like I said, Rocket, Groot, and Nebula are the only ones that really get satisfying arcs in these movies. Um, but that's half of the Guardians, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really, um, but at the same time, I, I've read that at the end of the article that I read, they brought up um, how um, the, the Rooster Brothers didn't say this and the screenwriters didn't say this, but the, 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 the author of the article said, but... James Gunn is a capable, he has proven himself a capable enough storyteller that I'm sure he'll be able to turn something great out of this. And I think that's the, that's the sense of comfort I get from this, but um, I can't help but be really, like, really upset with the creators on what they did with those characters in these two films, especially when those, those characters are probably the closest thing to like, you know, uh, like an original film within these MCU like movies. So I, um, yeah, I was really disappointed with that. And I, do, and I really do not like the Soul Stone plot line. So that's my, that's my piece. Okay. Um, yeah, I had to say it. No, no, that, that was good. Um, so I think we have one more area to cover in Act 2. Um, Steve and Tony um, have to go and use more of the PIM particles um, to go back. They figure out if they go to the 70s, there's a location where... Um, the Tesseract will be. Um, so they, 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 those two travel, uh, and Tony is able to have an interaction with his dad, and uh, Steve is able to see Peggy. Um, and they get, they do get the Tesseract and, and get out. Um, uh, 
what did what did you like here or what did you not like here oh i loved all this sequence mm -hmm. i really think um i loved uh again another thing from winter soldier it's the munitions uh depot that's not supposed to be there so it's definitely the hub of the you know where all the um r d shield stuff is going mm -hmm. is going on i love uh the hank pym uh cameo yeah i love uh i love the the close to tony stark tony stark's um, moment with his dad you know that this is that's a big part of him is uh trying to live up to his father's vision you know and um getting to have this moment where he gets to let his dad know that he's got a child and you know he's he's gonna he's gonna be a, he's a good dad you know he's not a failure you know yeah. Um, in some way or, or a sense of form and also to see his dad in a new light where his dad, you know, to reinforce that his dad actually loved him, mm -hmm. you know, and would, would have do, would have done anything for him, which is always something he's had struggle dealing with. And then also cap having that moment where he sees Peggy and, uh, realizing that, you know, he, he makes a statement at the beginning of the movie that he's like, you know, you got to move on, you know, Mm -hmm. And then, then he goes to each when he's, when he's with uh, the group therapy people. And then he goes and he talks with black widow and he's like, we can't move on, you know? And then at that point he's realizing, Oh, I can't move on, you know, because I never got that dance with Peggy. Yeah. And I think that's a really great way to set up his ending where he ends up. And, you know, that's something they've set up from the first Avenger is that, you know, that he's wanted and they brought it up in other movies you know, they brought it up in, uh, Winter Soldier, the, the dance, and they brought it up also in Eltron, and um, you know the, this this unfinished arc with Peggy. You know that Peggy's his one love. I'm sorry, Sharon, but uh, <laughs> Peggy's the girl, and uh, so yeah, I like that part. But what 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 do you like and not like about this? No, I uh, I, I I really I really like that, um, but it, it's gonna it is gonna impact um, some of my thoughts on uh, Steve's uh, Steve's return at the end of the movie. Um, yeah, I think two interesting things, and I don't know if you caught this when Peggy's on the phone um, and Steve's sort of lurking on the other side of the window, and she's doing business. She uh, she mentions Agent Braddock. So is she talking about? Oh wow! So is she talking about Captain Britain? She can't be talking about Psylocke because yeah, Psylocke, Psylocke wouldn't the, the 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 time frame wouldn't work. So I think she's talking about Agent Britain. Also, another cameo in there is that um, uh, Okoye talks about a an earthquake, a seismic earthquake under deep underneath the ocean. Yeah, I have obviously that. Submariner yeah uh reference at the beginning of the movie yeah and also that it's a wakandan who reports it is also huge because that's a big thing mm -hmm. is uh namor versus black panther so that might be teasing about what's to come with black panther as well yeah and i think another interesting thing here is, is this is the first appearance of anybody from the tv universe in the marvel universe because this is yes. Jar that's yeah. that's that's jarvis from the Carter series from Major Carter. Yeah. yeah so which I, my, my wife, Rebecca is a huge fan of that show loves mm -hmm. agent Carter. And that was like, she loved her in first Avenger, but it was that show that made agent Carter, my Rebecca's favorite character in any MCU things. So I turned to her when we saw it 
And I was like, is that Jarvis from the show? And she was like, oh yeah. Like she was so <laughs> excited to see that he was in there. Um, and that's a big deal because um, also the writers, uh, Stephen Marcus and what's his name, Feely, uh, they wrote Agent Carter as well. They wrote that show. So okay. them bringing those characters in makes a lot of sense. Okay, so that ties up, I think, all of our Avengers going to collect the various time stones. So everybody comes back, but we also have Nebula uh, as uh, Thanos' agent to to infiltrate the the Avengers. Um, So as we said before, this is sort of, this is where Act 3 is going to start, and we're going to have the epic battle. Yep. Um, so why don't we just touch on some key moments of the, the battle with, with Thanos, um, and the Avengers, um, I'll let you lead off and then, uh, yeah. then I'll come in with some, uh, some thoughts. Um, I think the cool thing leading up to the battle before the battle actually starts, um, I like that Cap finally in his last movie gets the scales on his armor. Um, at least on his breastplate, he's got the the scales like the original costume, like it's like chainmail. Um, but then um, I like that Thor calls back to something from Avengers when he decides that he's the one to put on the glove. Is that in the Avengers they bring him in to track the cube because the cube's main energy that it's giving off is gamma, mm-hmm. and that's the Infinity Stone. So I was like, ah, that's a good callback to him being the one who has to put the glove on because he's the one that can absorb that amount of gamma radiation without dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that point. Um, uh, I like that. Um, yeah, I like, uh, so the, the, then when the, I love the fact that Thor is battling with two hammers. I love that he's got Stormbreaker and, um, and Mjolnir when he's going at him. And uh, that it's the, it's the core three that officially approached Thanos, the core three that didn't fight together in infinity war are the ones that um, really give Thanos a run for his money at first. And then also uh, cap shield breaking um, and cap holding the Mjolnir are both plot points from age of Ultron um, yeah. that were, have been dormant since then the, that in Tony's vision and an Ultron that basically sets his, him down his arc that started in Ultron and finishes with this film is of Cap's, you know, of everyone laying dead and Cap's shield being broken in half exactly like it is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, then, of course, Cap is the only one close to lifting Thor's hammer in Ultron. So when he lifts his hammer in this movie, my reaction <laughs> when I saw it is I let out like a yes! <laughs> in, this, in the theater, I like literally screamed and clapped my hands. And then... Um, when I went to go see it again, Rebecca and my brother did the exact same thing. Cool. And um, uh, so I was, it was, it was very cool. What was your reaction to that? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I kind of, uh, I kind of, that was one thing that I think was, was uh, spoiled from me. Um, oh, this, no. this is, this is weird. Okay. So I watched the prices of back issues. Oh, and the price of the one where Steve holds um, Mjolnir goes up, and there's a oh, there's an Avengers issue, there's an Avengers issue that's the Bendis um, JRJR run. Okay, where Tony Stark wears 
the Infinity Gauntlet. And both uh, of those, and both of those back issues are like skyrocketing in value. So I knew that that happened in the movie because uh, I saw that those the value of those comics were going up. So that's a weird way of of having those spoiled. But I, I knew that those two things were happening. Uh, but that's the only way that like that's what's unique about this podcast because that's the way that it was spoiled for you. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like. It wasn't like you flipped through the wrong fan art on Instagram or something no. like that, you know. No, it was the price of back um, issues, which was I was afraid of because I was seeing the most fan art I saw was Fat Thor and Cap holding the hammer yeah. were the two that I saw the most, and and um, Tony having uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. So yeah. that's pretty great. But that was the way that it was spoiled for you in a way that only could have been spoiled for you. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. So um, I think another key moment is is we get uh, we get Strange uh, coming back, yeah. opening the portals, bringing mm-hmm. all of those those heroes back that we thought that we were missing. Um, my kids were very excited when when they saw Black Panther come out, um, so that was cool. Oh yeah, uh, I was excited uh, for Spider Man. Uh, yep, and so that gives us the the interaction with with Tony and and Spider Man, um, and then they play a bit of like almost like a game of football where they're they're handing off the Infinity Gauntlet to 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 move it around. But uh, why don't you why don't you talk about some of the uh, the battle sequence? Talk a little bit more about some of the battle sequences that we have here. Yeah, I love um, I loved. Uh, I mean, probably my favorites actually from coming through the portal were probably, yeah, of course, Black Panther, um, Spider-Man, but I actually really loved, uh, the reveal of, um, of, of Cap hearing Falcon. Yeah. On um, the comms and then him being after, after Black Panther comes through Falcon's the next one to come through. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I love, um, I love there. There are some other moments from finishing up from callbacks to Infinity War, uh, where Rocket and Winter Soldier are shooting down soldiers together. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a, a scene where um, Spider-Man. Probably one of the scenes I laughed the hardest is that in, in Homecoming, there's the instant kill setting mm-hmm. on his suit that he never wants to activate. But in yeah. this sequence, he's like, he's like. <laughs> It's like activated to kill. It <laughs> just like the the suit just goes nuts, murdering the aliens all around him. Yeah. And um, I love that part. Um, another part that I love is when the, the game of football and that sequence where uh, Spider Man has the gauntlet and he's wiping around. But also um, when Valkyrie picks him up on her horse mm-hmm. and um, takes him for a ride. But as she's riding by, she. Uh, like takes out one of the the giant flying slug things, mm-hmm. like with like one swipe as like as she's going by. It's just so awesome, um, which leads into probably like another one of those like really empowering moments that like I know I'm not a woman, but I just thought it was awesome, where it was like all the women were bonding to banding together, you know, where it was like Valkyrie and Wasp and Scarlet Witch and Mantis. I probably said Mantis already and Okoye and Shuri. And uh, Pepper was there. It was like, and like all of them were like going after Thanos. So cool. Loved Scarlet Witch. Another one of those characters I was not expecting to love as much as I do in this movie and Infinity War. Another thanks to Rebecca. She sort of pointed out to me why that character is so great. 
Um, and I loved that she got her moment with Thanos to really kick his butt after what he did in Infinity War. Um, yeah, but I think probably my favorite Captain Marvel moment is also in the game of tag where she says, uh, she comes up to Peter Parker and she has that exchange with him. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cute. Um, and, uh, yeah, so many great moments, just like nothing but smiles during that whole sequence for me. I don't know about you though. What were your favorite moments? No, no, I I did enjoy it, but I, I do have I do have a question before we move past Spider Man. Does okay. he not does he not care about his uh, secret identity anymore? Because he comes through the portal and he just takes his mask off right away. I'm uh, like, no, I'm like everybody can everybody can see. Well, I mean, it, it's the obsession of these movies to take off the characters' masks, and yeah. I I can't stand that. I couldn't stand it that you know from the first Iron Man film that's been the obsession with all of these movies. Mm -hmm. is to somehow get these characters into some place where they take off their masks. And it's the conceit that we care at all about <laughs> the actors playing these superheroes, where the majority of people who come to these, see these movies, I don't know how many of them at this point are really coming to see Chris Hemsworth because these movies, because Chris Hemsworth's in this movie mm -hmm. or Chadwick Boseman's in this movie. You know, the fact that in Infinity War, when I saw it, all the times I saw it, people started cheering, not when Chadwick Boseman came on the screen, but when the Black Panther music started playing before he came on screen, you know? Like, that's huge right there, where it's like, you know, it's not so much the actors anymore, it's, it's that modern-day conceit where it's still, they're still making a movie like, oh, we have stars in this film, you know? And at the same time, I think Tom Holland's a great actor and everything, but there's just no reason for... Black Panther, Spider-Man, Iron Man to constantly be taking off their helmets. Yeah. Um, especially when in Homecoming, there's that sequence in the middle where you don't see Peter Parker's face for like a half hour. You know, it's just the Spider-Man suit. And they learned that lesson from Deadpool, which also did the same thing where it's like, yeah, I think by this point, uh, these guys aren't coming to see these movies for the actors. Mm -hmm. They're coming because we love superheroes. And we love these characters. So, wasn't that big of a problem, but it's just that conceit of filmmakers these days that still think it's the star power that holds these movies together. It's no, it's it's really the characters. But yeah, yeah you're right. And then and that and Spider Man as a character would never take his mask off. No. So okay. Yeah. So um I think we we've covered this and anybody who's seen the movie knows how it ends. Uh Thanos puts the gauntlet on, goes to snap, but the stones are gone. Um yeah. the the and Tony has the gauntlet. He snaps, which um, which uh, ends up being his demise after he gets the he gets the signal from Strange that this is the one way that they can do it. Um, so that moment's powerful. So Thanos's forces um, turn to dust, and it's 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 been stopped. Um, uh, do you feel like we've covered the battle enough uh, to go into sort of tying up all the loose ends or, or do you have anything else you want to talk about? Well, you brought up a good point of this when we were talking about it, um, about Captain Marvel's role in the last battle and just in her role in the movie in general, she sort of has a lot smaller of a part that we were sort of led to believe at the end of Captain Marvel. And even from the promos for this movie, she is mm -hmm. a very, very minuscule role in this film. 
Um, but her, her part in the battle is, is no small feat because like she's sort of uh, the turning point at one spot when mm-hmm. uh, Thanos says to rain fire down upon everyone, including his troops. And she comes through and destroys his ship. Yeah. Um, and I like this scene where she, where he tries, where he's, where she's holding him back and he tries to headbutt her and he just like hits a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably one of my favorite moments, but, what, but you had, you had, an, you have a unique opinion on Captain Marvel's role in this whatsoever. So, yeah. Well, I think, I think from a, from a storytelling point, they had to, they had to get her off the board because she's uh, at this point, they've made her yeah. power set. So, so strong that she is almost their their Superman. So to have her off yeah. planet um, dealing with the problems that the other planets are facing, um, it just adds to the drama. It gives her the dramatic entrance. It allows her to turn the battle at a key moment. Um, so that I, I, I they, they they probably felt like they needed to to have her not there because the just the the way the the captain marvel movie went she her her power set is just uh pretty crazy in the in the marvel cinematic universe or universe and they got there really fast (laughs) like really like like you said superman fast yeah now that like and i'm not talking man of steel superman fast i'm talking (laughs) richard donner turning the planet time you know turning time back by spinning around the earth like that powerful uh like and uh, I'll be interested to see where they go with her character after this because they didn't just like depower her they like overpowered her even more yeah. in this movie and uh she confirmed that like if she had been there none of this would have happened but at the same time if she hadn't been there none of this would have happened also because True. she didn't take the cosmic cube back with her when she went over away so your fault captain marvel your fault yeah. Okay, so let's let's go into the taking of the uh, Infinity Stones back to the moments mm. in uh, the the timeline that they need to be um, taken back. This is this is Steve's this is Steve's job to to do, um, and he does it. Um, he doesn't return um, in the five seconds that uh, the Hulk sets out that he should be returning in. Um, and we get, uh, we get old man, uh, Steve Rogers waiting by the side of the lake, um, where he turns the shield over to Sam to be the new Captain America after Bucky sort of gives him the, uh, the nod, go ahead. Um, before I turn it over to you, um, I feel like Steve probably had a conversation with Bucky to tell him that he was going to do that. Because uh, if you notice, if you notice when the Hulk is freaking out that he's not back and Sam is yelling at him uh, to get him back, Bucky is completely calm. And Bucky actually sort of like walks mm. away from that little uh, transporter. And he kind of is looking around knowing that Steve is, is going to pop back up. Yeah. Um, so I feel like Steve told Bucky um, that he was going to turn it over to Sam so that he knew. Um, and that's kind of why also why Bucky gives him the, the nod. So let's uh, before we go too far into uh, Steve's Steve's journey here. Um, why don't you go into your thoughts about uh, Sam uh, taking the shield? 
Um, I really like it. And uh, having, again, re- recently rewatched Winter Soldier, uh, they set up from the beginning that Sam is a leader on his own, you know, mm-hmm. that he's, uh, he's not someone to be laughed at when it comes to just being capable. And, you know, the, they, from the beginning, they establish his character as sort of being someone who's very empathetic, um, who's very mature, who's very, you know, who has that, that, that willingness to sacrifice himself for what's right. Um, but also that they, they exemplify his, his, his leadership skills and how he's leading the, the, um, the support group for vets and winter soldier, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's, he's going to be a good leader. He's going to be a good soldier. And, um, he's also like, you know, him and Cap are the, are the tacticians, you know, they're the guys who have, have experience, uh, running complicated, uh, um, you know, missions that, that involve a lot of things to go right, you know? So I think, I think for him to be Captain America makes a lot of sense. And I know Bucky would be the, the canonical choice, you know, based on the comics because he was Captain America before Sam was in the comics. But in this current continuity, uh, Bucky at the end of civil war, um, while he was proven, while it was proven that he did not cause the bombings at the UN that killed Chala's father, uh, still has a lot of war crimes to answer for because he was working for Hydra, even though he was a sleeper agent. Mm-hmm. So him becoming Captain America next would be, you know, him just having to go back on the run with basically just a Captain America shield. Whereas Sam would have the time to be Captain America next. So that's my opinion. I think it was a good choice, natural choice. And um, I know next on the pipeline for Marvel, they've said that there's going to be a Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what that's going to be. Yeah. And I think it's also important. Um, it gives, uh, it gives African-American children another hero. It, it, well, Sam was already there, but he's, he's, he's elevated into a more prominent role as, as Captain America. Um, so that gives them a, another, yeah. another, another person to look at other than, than Black Panther or any of the other Wakandans. So I, I think that's important there. Um, before we go into Steve's, uh, Steve's choice, um, Steve had to return the soul stone. So that brings up, I want to, I want to have had to fight the red skull. I want to bring up. Yeah. I want to. So if he has, if he has the time stone, he has the soul stone one, he had to confront the red skull there, which would have been interesting to see. And two, Is this the way that he saves Natasha? Because if he returns, mm. the soul, if he returns the Soul Stone, she doesn't have to. Like, does he go there? Like, does he go there? Like ten seconds before they jump and say, "Look, don't jump. I have the I have the stone. I said everything. I said we said everything right. We're going to give this back, and none of, you don't have to sacrifice yourself." So, is this the way that they they bring? They're able to save Natasha. Well, no, because, so this will go into my, this is the biggest plot hole in the film. So what you described would be in this movie, but because of that logic isn't flawed by where Cap ends up in this movie, but by what Hulk explained earlier in the movie and what the ancient one in him talked about is that you can't change your past, you know, because then, you know, it's, it's the, it's the butterfly effect. Okay. So he can't go back and save Black Widow or else he'll undo everything that came before. 
and then therefore undo him going back in time. So that's, that's, that's the paradox of time travel mm-hmm. in a lot of movies. So the time travel that the Hulk and the ancient one explained is, is that you're not going back in time. You're going back to a point in time in an alternate reality that's like yours um, up until that point. So he has to return the soul stone after Black Widow dies. But what are the ramifications of returning the soul stone? Do all the souls come back? So does that mean Gamora comes back? Does that mean Black Widow comes back? You know, in that mm-hmm. alternate reality? Um, which is another whole complicated thing because someone from an alternate reality dying still gets you the soul stone, Black Widow, which is really complicated. But then, so by Banner's description of how this time travel works with the quantum realm, how was Steve able to age in the current timeline and end up like aging, you know, uh, linearly to an old man in that timeline if it's an alternate reality? So that's the plot point. That's the plot hole is that Steve should not have been able to have ended up there basically by just living through to that point because they've established early on in the movie that that's not how it works because him going back in time, that means he can affect the past, which means he could have gone back in time, told anyone at shield and lived his life that Thanos is going to come in 70 years or even better. If you have the cosmic cube, what you should do is you should try to find a way to get it to Asgard or there's going to be a woman named Captain Marvel who's going to show up in 40 years. You should give it to her and tell her to take it as far away as possible so that Thanos never comes for it. Or that Captain Marvel should start collecting all the Infinity Stones so that Thanos has never has a chance to get it. So that, But the thing is, is that they bring up that solution earlier in the movie. Like, um, Rhodey and uh, Ant-Man say, well, why don't we just go back and kill baby Thanos? And because the Hulk said, and the Hulk says, no, because we wouldn't be preventing anything. Because if we went back and killed baby Thanos, we wouldn't have a need to go back in time, mm-hmm. you know. And therefore, it would just all be a mess. That doesn't. That's not how time travel works. It's the alternate timelines that. That's that's how this time travel works. Is that we're not going back in time necessarily. We're going back to a place in time in an alternate reality, and therefore creating new uh like a a different butterfly effect in that reality that's different from our own so he has to return the 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 infinity stones because those are integral to their reality not collapsing on themselves um but uh that like you know that that doesn't make any sense with where cap ends up by the end of the movie being an old man because that means he would have had to have traveled actually traveled back in time like ant-man and Rhodey were talking about during the scene where they were talking to the Hulk. It's a lot of confusing stuff, but it's a giant plot hole. Okay. I think, I think, I, I think I know, I think I know what happened when they go back okay. to, when they go back to the seventies, he takes four vials of pin particles that allows to allow him and Tony to come back to the present timeline. The third one allows him right. to go, back on the transporter so he still got one vial of pin particles so he lives that he lives that alternate reality with peggy then he uses that final vial of pin particles 
to travel as the old man to that point five seconds after he left that one. But if that was the case, he would have ended up in the same spot where he disappeared. So that's, that's where it doesn't make any sense. And they make that clear also that they need that machine where that's based off of the Mobius strip construct that Tony invented in order for all of them to end up back at the same place five seconds later. They established that earlier on in the movie as well, that it's not, you know, you only end up in a certain time and place in that alternate reality. But when you're returning back to your one reality, there's just that one point of concurrency. Okay. And that's, that's the Mobius strip time travel construct thing that sucks you down into the quantum realm. Okay. So uh, it doesn't make any, it's uh, for me, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I've, I've thought about, I've spent many sleepless nights trying to figure it out, but I, I've thought about that. The idea that like, okay, maybe he did travel to a, you know, different thing, but then that would still go against the idea that Bruce says is that once you travel to your past, your future becomes your past and your past becomes your, you know, your past becomes your future, which doesn't make any sense, you know? And uh, still, so like, even if, even if Steve had teleported back five seconds before he went back in time, that still wouldn't make any sense with the science that they talked about because that's still the past and therefore his future. So <laughs> it's, 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 there's this physics thing that's not, that doesn't make any sense with his thing. How I would have ended the movie, and I think this is, I think I'm going to pat myself on the back here because it's a genius way of ending it. What if just Cap's shield had just stayed in that one spot, you know? Like you would have still had that moment of tension where you're like, oh my gosh, what happened, you know? But if it was just Cap's shield and like a note that said, like for Sam, right there. And then you would have, like, it would have, it would have not only been a really cool way to be like, for Bucky to have been like, you know, he could have said something like, oh, he finally got his dance, that kind of thing, or something like that, you know, or uh, he sent a photo, like, in with it as well, like, of him and of Peggy, or something like that, you know, and then, or like, even a letter to Sam. Mm-hmm. That would have made more sense, where it would have been like, okay, or if even if he had just appeared as an old man right there, you know, where he was like, I got to live my life, you know. And um, as we know, Peggy passed away three years in the, you go into this timeline. So in the, whatever timeline he would have been living, she would have maybe passed away by then. So that's when he decided to return. <sighs> so how I would have ended it. Yeah. is either. So, but like if you wanted to take money off of the budget or even something like that, but still ended on that sweet moment of Steve and Peggy dancing in the past, that would have been awesome. But that's just him not arriving in the place where he's supposed to arriving as the rules of this science dictated earlier in this movie makes it a plot hole that bothers me to no end. But what do you think about Cap's ending? Cause you, you have issues of it on a comics level. Uh, well, no, uh, actually. So I changed, uh, when I, when I saw when I saw the movie, I was happy that uh, Steve got to live the life that he 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 missed out on by being frozen in the ice, um, getting to 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 have 
um, to have time with Peggy. But then when I, I thought about it more, mm-hmm. Peggy was married. And well, Peggy yeah. was married, so he went back and mm-hmm. he stole some he stole some dude's wife. Yeah, which I thought of that too. But I asked Rebecca, um, who has watched Agent Carter, and when she talks about being married um, in Winter Soldier, she never says who it was. Or all she says was is that Cap saved her husband's life. Like, hey, saved the man who would become her husband's wife. She never says who her husband is, and they never say who her husband is. And in the show they never say who she ends up marrying as well. So Cap could have easily gone back in time, uh, changed his name, changed his physical appearance to some way, like he does in Infinity War, and pretended to be somebody else. Um, and then, therefore, been her husband. So, okay. Or also another thing that could have been as well is um, S.H.I.E.L.D. could have done something for Peggy that they did for Hawkeye as well, where um, they hi- they hide Hawkeye's family mm-hmm. because he's an agent. They could have done the same thing for Peggy with Steve, where they just hid him. <sighs> and, All right. Um, so yeah. All right. So <laughs> there's so uh, much I, to talk about with I, that poorly written conclusion. Okay. So uh, I so just two two final I think two final thoughts for me on this. I always okay. envision I always envision that she ended up with the guy from the first season of Agent Carter, the one that respected right. her, the yeah. one that wasn't like the, the all the other ones that looked down on her. I always felt like she ended up with him. So in my I guess in my mind I was thinking that Steve went back and and ruined it for that guy which oh, that which, which was which was not cool. No. But <laughs> Okay, actually I have two things. In Winter Soldier, when he goes and he sees old Peggy on her deathbed, she says she has she her her mind is slipping, but she says, You came back. Is she talking about at that moment him coming back to see her on on the deathbed, or is she talking about him coming back with the with the stones? Oh, yeah. So that's, see, there's another part of that too that I was thinking about as well that posed a question. Because in that movie, you know, there's this whole like, you know, uh, the best way to move forward is to start over. That's sort of a thing. And that's what she says at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And she says to him, she says, sometimes the best way to move forward is to start over. And which is what he does at the end of Endgame is okay. he starts over. And uh, so I, I wonder if, um that was i don't i don't know how much of it because i think there are so many uh things that seem to be leading to places in civil war with him and sharon you know Mm -hmm. so i don't know how much of this was planned out even that far back you know um and how much of this was everybody speculating chris evans wanting to be done with this character because his contract you know his his uh his how many picture deal was out yeah and um and I counted it up. He was in a. He played Captain America. He appeared as Captain America in eleven Marvel films, which is pretty impressive. I think that, I think that beats Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Yeah. And um, I think that's about as many as uh, Tony as Iron Man has as well. 
Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, so I think, I don't, I don't think, I think this was, might've been a last minute revision to the story. And I think that's why it's so, um, like it's satisfying in a lot of ways, but it sort of almost feels lazily written in other ways. Okay. And my final Steve and Peggy, um, thing i hope that steve doesn't tell her that he kissed her her, her niece because exactly. that's, that's a little awkward yeah that's um, gross okay um, and then and then meets the niece probably at some point as well you know or sees the niece then he's like oh we're gonna we're gonna almost get there you know at some point in time you know which would be nasty um so, yeah all right, so this has been a pretty pretty epic um, one. So uh, oh, yeah, I just wanted. Uh, I, I think we talked about a lot of missed opportunities, but I want to ask you about this. How much would you have enjoyed when everybody came through the portal okay. if Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and the Netflix yep. people would have walked through those portals? That was a missed opportunity right there. Yep, and the agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody the Inhumans um, I was hoping for everyone that's been that's had any kind of screen time so far and yeah, then you could have had funny moments like who the heck are these guys and I don't and know and everything like that you know I don't know if you've um, seen it but somebody's done a screen capture and somewhere yeah. in the background Howard the Duck is, uh, is is there so they brought Howard the Duck but they didn't bring Daredevil so all right. So, uh, if you have any, f- yeah, well, no, Howard Duck wasn't even. Uh, so, if you have any uh, final thoughts, uh, why don't you give those, and then we'll 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 tie this up. Uh, I, I was have- complaining a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I cutting no, out a bit? No, you're, no, you're good. Okay. Um, I I've complained a lot about the cap thing, but I will say that how they handle Iron Man's ending. And, you know, he's the soul of this universe um, is so well done, you know, and they brought back so much and they treated what John Favreau, what Shane Black, you know, what, what these guys have done with Iron Man, what Joss Whedon's done with Iron Man. They treated all that with respect and most especially they treated what Robert Downey Jr. did with respect as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the actors that had have you know been a part of that character's run time, I thought they did such a great job, and they treated that character with so much dignity, gave him an ending that he deserved. Um, that was very well thought out, very well planned, um, very emotional. Uh, you know, I love the fact that he finally got to, you know, he was, you know, his his big thing for his whole arc is his legacy, and you know, he realizes in the end that you know his daughter is his legacy more than anything, you know. Yeah, and that's sort of what he was striving for, or or Peter Parker, what he goes on to do is his legacy. What the Avengers go on to do, that's his legacy. And I love that. That's that's how it ends. And I love that he before he snaps, his basically his final words are, "I am Iron Man," mm-hmm. like you know, giving it back to the the first movie. And that was such a big moment for the universe, for the like for just how movies were made in general. So I think as far as a goodbye to a cinematic icon, not just you know a cinematic icon that made him a comics icon, you know, Mm -hmm. that, you know, Iron Man was a big character, but, you know, not nearly as important until the movie came out, you know? And uh, then after that, people realized how important that character was and how great he was to tell stories about. 
Um, so to give him a farewell that he deserves, I think it absolves the movie of all of its sins. Yeah. Um, so just to, to piggyback on that, uh, the, the Iron Man's ending, I think uh, a cool thing they did there was John Favreau uh, oh, yeah. as, as Happy Hogan uh, talking is a, is a good way to sort of tie the man who uh, is responsible for setting all of this in motion to, to have him on screen um, mm. there is, is a cool, is a cool moment. Um, yeah. And to, to have him give a really good performance in that moment with the, with little, with a little girl, mm-hmm. you know, and it's sort of him. It's very symbolic of him and the audiences that grew up with Iron Man up yeah. until this point, you know, uh, I thought, you know, that just adds to just this, this great, uh, you know, like I said, just a great cinematic icon coming to an end. Yeah. So, uh, I would, uh, I would classify both of us as really and really enjoying it despite, oh, uh, yeah. despite the hour and a half we just took, uh, picking apart the, the, the physics of the movie. We, we still yeah. overall, <laughs> we still overall really, really enjoyed it. So. And I'll, uh, I'll bring it back to my, my Lord of the Rings comparison because I picked those movies apart, but I have, I hold those movies so dear to my heart and I hold these movies very dear as well. Um, they've been a part of me, of my like last 11 years, like a big part. So I think, you know, this movie is a great experience. I'm going to go see it again. I'm going to see it a third time in theaters. Cool. Uh, of it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let's take care of a little bit of business here before we finish. Um, <laughs> both you and I have a, a story in the, my kingdom for a panel Kickstarter, uh, which is probably close to its halfway point. So if anybody could go on Kickstarter and search for my kingdom for a panel, uh, both of your co-hosts of this, uh, this podcast have a story there. Um, and I also have a story in the Why Faith anthology that's on Indiegogo right now. So if anybody could go there onto Indiegogo and search for that, they, they, could, they could see that. And it's got examples of, of the pages that uh, we put up for that. Um, so if anybody uh, enjoyed this uh, epic discussion on Adventures Endgame, um, and they'd like to give us a rating and review on iTunes, we would appreciate that. Uh, we are on Twitter, um, at ConstructComPod, uh, Instagram, at ConstructingComicsPod, and on Facebook, at forward slash ConstructingComics. And I think in the next couple of days, maybe uh, I'll try to post some articles where people uh, break down some of the physics or some of the, uh, the plot points in the movie just to continue the discussion a little bit. So I'd like to uh, thank everybody for listening and uh, we'll be back very soon with a, another episode. Bye.